We stand together, united as one, forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. Welcome to the Alleycast. Um, I'm going to get straight into the podcast today because um, it, it just deserves to be got straight into, really. Uh, so I'm not going to waffle on too much. But today's podcast is with one of my major inspirations, a guy called Sean Conway. Um, if you followed this guy, you will know of his adventures. He has uh, swam, cycled and ran the length of the UK. Uh, and then he went back and did the uh, a triathlon version of that as well, where he did it all, you know, all, all together um, and he's also got other records such as the record for cycling across Europe um, his website is absolutely amazing if you want to go to his website just share, search for Sean Conway you'll see on there as well that what he does that I really really like is that he not only puts his successes up there but he also puts his failures down as well he's had quite a few of them and it just shows you that in, you know in order to have success you have got to uh, put yourself out there and have those failures as well so let's get straight into this now this is my chat including details of his next challenge that we can all get involved in with the one the only sean conway <laughs> Beard. How you doing? You okay? <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting there, man. <laughs> How you doing, mate? How you doing? Yeah, really good, really good. Uh, thanks for giving up your time, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, no, any time at all, man. Yeah, excellent. So, um, really, I just want to sort of chat to you today. Um, um, obviously, about the adventures that, that you've, you've undertaken. I'm two thirds of the way through watching your latest um, triathlon around around the UK. Um, so oh, cool. uh, no spoilers for the swimming part. Okay. <laughs> um, but we'll I did die. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and I'm, I'm really sort of interested as well in obviously the mindset around around these sort of things because you know I think like you I, I'm sort of nowhere near at your level, but I sort of came into the world of adventure in, in my forties really and thought you know what am I doing with my life here? I need to get out and do more. And I think you know you were you were fairly sort of late in life coming into that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So what, what sort of sparked that for you? What made you, you know, what was your old life and, and what made you sort of change that and, and do what you do now? Well, my old life was a school portrait photographer, <clears throat> believe it or not. Um, and it's weird. So photography as a, as a job has such a wide spectrum of what you can do, right? You can do hmm. weddings, you can do schools, you can yeah. do travel. You know, there's so many things. And I dreamt of being a travel photographer. Um, and I loved it. I mean, I even have, I keep it on my <coughs> desk here. My dad, my dad gave me his old Minolta, you know, back in yeah, the yeah. day. Um, I used to shoot slide film and spent hours in the dark room with black and white film as well. And I just thought I was going to be this amazing National Geographic photographer. Um, and then just got sucked into the money and just trying to pay the bills and Blah, you know, just just so many a series of bad decisions just kind of eventually led me so far down the wrong path. All I could do was just jack it all in. So I sold my share of the company I set up with my business partner James. I sold it to him for one pound, and actually behind me on the wall 
uh, over there. Yeah. That frame, that is the framed one pound note <laughs> that James gave me <clears throat> for our company. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, it was a weird, a weird time. You know, I, I purposefully, the pound for me was important because I, it was sort of my, sort of putting my flag in the ground saying yep. from now on, I'm not going to make any, any big decisions in life based purely on my financial outcome, you know, um, because that seemed to be all I was doing sort of in my twenties, it was, there was n nothing else outside of earning money mm, that was, yeah, yeah. that led all my decisions. Like, will I earn more money doing this or will I earn less money? If I'm going to earn more money, then I'll do that. So I'll do, and, and it just was horrible because I would give, you know, I look back now on some of the jobs I said no to because they didn't pay as well. You know, like amazing, you know, shooting for magazines who didn't pay that well, mm. but I got to go away for a week, you know, and I was just yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. chose to photograph five nursery schools in Birmingham instead. It's just like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but of course, you know, <clears throat> I, I must stress, it was the purely the financial need because we all need to earn money. Mm. Um, money does to a certain point money will help you it will help you fulfill your dreams it'll help you buy a bicycle potentially to cycle around the world yeah. so you know you can buy food shelter warmth provide for your family you know nursery schools are very expensive i've soon discovered are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you know so sort of, i'm not so sort of one of this like oh you can live life with no money at all but yeah certainly there's a healthy balance and it, as a in photography for me there was no there was no healthy balance it was just all all sort of financial you know all my decision making and that was that was not a good place for me personally to be in um mm. so yes yeah, so i jacked it in and then and then wanted to go traveling but <clears throat> didn't have any money i had the pound mm. um and actually i spent i spent four quid on that frame so, <laughs> <laughs> um uh so my, i was kind of thinking outside the box i just thought well how can I go traveling without money? Mm. And I didn't want to sort of just do the sort of the real, I feel a bit, I don't feel it's right that a, a Westerner should go to a third world country and try and do free travel. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't gel with that. Um, you know, there's starving people there and yet you going there begging. I, I'm not sure that's, no. that, I'm not up for that. Um, so I thought, well, maybe if I break some sort of world record, um, maybe someone will sponsor me in the world of travel. And that's when I thought of the round the world cycle record, um, which at the time was, it was hard, but it wasn't unbreakable, mm. even for a, for a novice like myself, if you just trained hard. Um, and that for me ticked all the boxes. It, allowed, it, it sort of, I got to travel around the world. It gave me some real good focus and, and reasons to get out of bed each day, which I, I loved, you know, I loved that 40 hour training 40 hour a week training program yeah, I set. Yeah. Um, and that was all, it just all of a sudden, it, it ticked loads of boxes that have now become my oxygen. Mm. You know, I, I didn't realize I needed those big, heavy training, those big, heavy challenges, which make me train hard. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be a very good explorer if the exploration didn't involve a higher level of training because I really enjoy, you know, that process leading yeah, up yeah, to it as yeah. well. That That's good for my, my mental health. Um, yeah. So yeah, and all of a sudden I just 
quite late in life and say, you know, I was 30, discovered something that I'm good at. Turns out <laughs> I'm quite good at being cold, wet, miserable, hungry and tired and grumpy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's quite funny, actually, because I spent sort of 10 years of my life in the forces where I was being all those things. Um, and that was something I was really good at then. But when, when I actually came out the forces, which I was 30 when it came out, <clears throat> sorry, I sort of... Um, I sort of just fell into to that trap of right. I've got to go out and sort of earn that money now, and I've got to provide for my family, and I've got to do that. And it, you know, it was, it was sort of ten years down the line where, where I sort of thought, oh, I've got a minute, I need to do that. But but how? So once you've received that pound and you've decided to break this world record, and and you do the the round the world, how did the round the world bike race? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, bike challenge go? Yeah, that one didn't go so well. Yeah. Um, I got I got run over in America. Um, yeah. I was sort of 4,000 miles in, so I'd done Spain down into Morocco, then flew to South America. Mm. I'd cycled Santiago to Lima up through the Atacama Desert, and then I was a week into my American leg. Um, and yeah, just someone speeding mm. on his phone early in the morning. You know, I feel bad for the guy because I was cycling on a road that, you know, you would never, if you knew any better, you would never in a million years cycle mm. on it. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy is, he was a, he was a baker and he gets up early to go to the bakery. He gets up at 5am and he drives us, he's driven this road, I think every day for 30 years and he's probably never seen a cyclist in his yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, you know, I, 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 but you know, what do I know? I'm just following a line on a map, you know, I yeah. don't know if the road's good or bad. Um, so, so yeah, there's no hard feelings towards <clears> him and he, and he called, called the ambulance and you know everything americans were amazing you know yeah. there was none of this these stories of you know do you have insurance no well we'll turf you out the back door none of that they totally looked after me completely fixed me without even knowing whether i had insurance or not hmm. and in fact they felt so guilty the private hospital so it's just a private hospital owned by an individual or a conglomerate they actually said oh we feel so bad you got run over in our sort of state that if we can't get money from um, from the driver, we're just going to write it off as charity. Right. And, you know, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I had a really great experience and everything was fine. So, um, yeah, so that didn't end so well. I mean, I carried on anyway to raise money for charity and also I've got it here as well. I was taking a mini miniature Olympic torch around the world. Right. Okay. Yeah. It was 2012 that I did it, right? Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. London 2012, some kids made me a mini miniature torch and there's even an on-off button and those flickered at one point. Um, so the idea that became my new goal really is to sort of take the Olympic torch around yeah. the world. Um, and that kind of gave me new focus, which was mm. kind of important for me to have this second focus and goal. And um, otherwise I probably would have just come home because everyone mm. was telling me to come home, you know, of course. Um, yeah. But I'm so glad I had, I'm so glad I managed to convince my brain mm that there was something else worth pursuing that maybe wasn't necessarily the original outcome, yeah. but it certainly was better than totally giving up in that yeah. scenario. Sometimes you do have to give up if, you know, if yeah, you're yeah. going to get long-term <clears throat> long injuries, for example. But um, yeah, so, so I've carried on. So how, how does that process work with you of convincing your brain? Because I, I wrote a, I, I did a, the, the, the 4448 challenge this weekend. And wrote wrote a blog about that. And I I have two parts of my brain, really. I have the, the Oscar the Grouch part of my brain, which is the one that's saying, don't get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning. You've got nothing to prove. Stay here. It's nice and warm. Um, and, I, and I speak to that part of my brain in, in that 
in that third person, really, that shut up, Oscar, you know, come on, Steve, get it, get out and do it. Do you have some sort of strategy that you sort of use when you're, you're trying to convince your brain to sort of carry on or, or, or carry on with the challenge? Um, weirdly, no. Mm. For me, carrying on is, is just like breathing. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't not do it. Mm. So I'm, I'm a, my two parts of my brain, I'm, I'm a monkey and I'm a terrier. Okay. Yep. Um, so, and I enjoy being a monkey when I'm a monkey. It means I try lots of new things. I'm inquisitive. I break things. I try and fix them. I'm, I'm a bit all over the place, but I enjoy it. I enjoy the variety of that. I enjoy the fact that every day is different in my life. I don't really have a routine. You know, when you've got kids, you, you have a bit more of a routine, but yeah. I certainly don't sort of be like, right, I need to be at my desk at 9am or I need to do this or I'm going to write 500 words you know, every morning for my books and stuff like that. So I enjoy being a monkey. But then if I'm a monkey for too long, I get really frustrated. Mm. Um, and I need terrier mode. And that's when I have these big challenges. And that gives me something to focus on. And then for me, it's it's when I have that goal that I'm going for, whatever it is, it's red mist. You know, mm. I'm just... Yeah. And yeah. my wife hates it. She's <laughs> Caroline. Caroline gets really frustrated because sometimes I'll go into terrier mode halfway through dinner because you know uh, i'll notice or, or I'll, have, I'll have forgotten to water the vegetables that day mm. and all of a sudden i'm like oh i need i forgot to water the vegetables oh i need to go out and water vegetables and i'm like all of a sudden I'm like eating eating <laughs> eating and then like leaving halfway through dinner just to go water the vegetables she's like sean you're not watered them for four days i'm sure they can last another half an hour <laughs> you know so i that's sort of my personality really is once I've got something in my head that I want to do mm. um and that the downside of that is sometimes you should quit especially if there's if there's long-term injury involved mm. um <clears throat> and yeah that's the part I struggle with is sometimes I should sort of take it a little bit easier just to avoid long-term injury and that's the bit I battle with but no I, I yeah weird I, do, I don't have that part of my brain that says, oh, you know, you don't, you don't really have to train today mm. because I don't know why, maybe it's experience, but you know, that is just making it more difficult yep. when I'm doing it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So yeah. what's the point? Yeah. So one, once you've done your, your round the world uh, cycle ride, what was, what was the plan after that? Did you, did, did, I don't, did you have another so, thing? Well, there was no plan. Um, <laughs> I knew I needed to start earning money again mm. to buy food, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's, so I was very lucky that my mother allowed me to live on, on the sofa in her one bedroom flat in Cheltenham. Um, so I was sort of on the futon in the living room um, for a bit. Um, so I, I did have that fallback that I didn't have to pay rent, um, but I still need to buy food and, and, you know, help my mum out and things like that. So I I just tried to get back into sort of employment. You know, mm. I signed on to the Dole. I went to the job center every couple of weeks, just looking for loads of jobs, uh, mainly in the cycling industry. You know, I just cycled around the world. I really fell in love with cycling. So I thought, wow, well, let me just go and work in a bike shop. Or there was, you know, Sustrans have, have their, their sustainable bike it scheme. Mm. Um, 
I think back then, I don't know if they still exist, so it was the bike it officer, which would go to yep. schools and workplaces and try and okay. convince people to walk or cycle to school. So I was trying to apply for jobs for them. There was another charity called Bike Works, which got um, underprivileged kids into the cycling uh, industry through through training them to become a bike mechanic and things like that. Uh, looking at bike couriers, but I lived in Cheltenham. There weren't really that many bike couriers in Cheltenham, if mm. any. Um, so that was the goal. That was basically what I thought. I thought, well, I've had my year away. I scratched that itch. Let me just get back into some sort of employment. Um, photography, I'd still fallen out of love with. Mm. I didn't have any equipment anyway. So, you know, with the sale of, of the company, I, everything, all cameras, laptops, everything, lenses, studio lights, that yeah. all went with it. So to actually get back into photography was a lot harder. Um, nowadays you could probably just rent gear but yeah. it didn't look good it, it made your costs go up as a newbie again mm. so yeah that was it so for oof, so i mean it would have been yeah six seven months applying for jobs didn't even get one email back saying thank you for your application but we've gone with someone else but i don't blame them i i was 32 years old i have no a levels i didn't go to university <laughs> yeah and i had no cv you know, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, I was the director of LifePix Photography uh, for eight years or whatever it was. Um, and then I had this year gap. <laughs> so, yeah. What else have you done? And you want to work in a bike shop? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was difficult. It is difficult. So anyway, basically, that's kind of why I then thought of the swim. To swim the length of Britain because yeah. I just thought well last time I thought of some sort of challenge I managed to get some funding for it mm. through sponsorship it got me out the house it gave me something to do uh, it gave me some focus um, and actually I quite enjoyed all of that um, so I, I thought well let me just think of another another adventure because at least you know it would get me out my mum's sofa and yeah. that's when I thought of swimming the length of Britain um, <coughs> just because I kind of needed it. I just mm. needed to do something because I wasn't yeah. getting any jobs. Um, and yeah, that's basically was kind of, well, let me go for it. And that's, that's, you know, that's when I thought of the swim. So let's talk about that because you were, um, so I've heard you on another podcast and you were sort of looking at, at had, was there a world record for swimming the length of Britain? And the only world record was somebody or the, the only person who'd done it, had done it on the back of a van or something. Lloyd <laughs> Scott. Lloyd Scott. Scott. I'll have to, I'll have to a, remember what that. What a name. legend. <laughs> He's done loads of stuff. You should, you should search that, him online. He's I'll have a look for him, stuff. yeah. Because when, when I heard that, I thought that, that is genius for that. So, um, yeah. yeah, so how did that? So once you discovered that you were going to be probably the first person to do this, did that give you an added sense of, uh, you know, push to do that then? So, um, yes and no. Um, just a little bit before that is when I then sort of realised I wasn't going to, I wasn't getting any interviews for jobs. Um, I then thought, right, well, maybe I should do another adventure. And then on top of that, I then was in monkey mode and my brain was just going, right, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that, you know, and I was just really thinking big and almost fantasizing, you yeah. know, it, it almost became a fantasy, these adventures, because I never dreamt cycling around the world, you know, for me back then is like me going, Sean, you, you're going to go to the moon one day as an mm. astronaut, you know, that 
it might be possible, you know, probably not. I'm 40 years old now. I have no experience in that department. So, you know, I'm probably not going to go to the moon. I'm not that stressed about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm also not going to own a massive yacht and sail around the world for the rest of my life. It doesn't stress me out because I've got other things I want to do, right? Um, but I still fantasize about it. Mm. I'm still on YouTube looking at other people sailing around <laughs> the world for years on end with no responsibility. Um, and I think it's great. Yeah. And that was the same. You know, people cycle around the world. I was fantasizing. So part of this fantasy um, was what if I had a world record in the three F's of endurance? That's a world's first, a world's furthest, and a world's fastest. Um, you know, that was a fantasy. I thought, mm. well, that'd be kind of something to fantasize about. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, I'm no big deal because I, yeah. there's no way in a million years I could be that guy anyway. <laughs> you know, I really didn't believe it. I was wrong, but I didn't believe it. Mm. Um, and... So yes, yeah, so originally the swim in my head was going to be a world's fastest. Thinking someone had obviously swum it before because so many people have done land tent on growths in so many different ways. Um, you know, surely someone had attempted a swim before. Mm. And then that's when I found out Lloyd Scott did it in like 10 days or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> 10 days? That's like the running record. Um, and then find out, as you said, Lloyd put a swing pool on the back of a van and did lengths as they drove it, which is brilliant. Um, so anyway, yeah, then it became awards first, which of course was exciting because mm. legitimate awards firsts are quite hard to mm. find nowadays um, and even harder to pull off because no one's that interested in supporting it. Yeah. whether it be financially or through advice or whatever. So yeah, getting that, pulling, trying to pull that swim off uh, at the beginning of 2013 when I was trying to do the preparation for it. Um, yeah, it was, was quite tough. It was really tough. Um, because then, you know, you start questioning yourself. You're like, why has no one done this? Mm. You know, is there a counter current that will take me to America that yeah. I had not, you know, is there this big Gulf stream that makes it impossible because you'd mm. just be swimming against the, the current type thing. Um, but no, no, there was all, in all my research, you know, nothing suggested it would be impossible. It was just going to take a long time um, and be cold, wet, miserable, hungry, and tired. And which is, I learned I was quite good at. So yeah. why not have a crack at it? <laughs> so did you find it, um, did you find it quite hard to get sponsorship and support for that? Cause I know Ross, you know, Ross Edgley found quite hard to get, anything because obviously he was doing completely around the UK wasn't he and I know he, he found it really difficult to get any support and um and sponsorship yeah yeah but he was probably needing a lot more money than I was you know he had a, he had a much bigger boat yeah. um and crew that was probably on the payroll and that sort of thing mm. I found a boat for three and a half grand on eBay and found three other people who, who <laughs> volunteered their time for nothing <laughs> Um, so all I really needed was was diesel for the boat, um, and actually the most expensive thing was getting people to Land's End and back from John O'Groats. That mm. was quite expensive, uh, and food along the way. And I managed to find some food sponsors who gave us his boil in the bag yeah. meals, which were actually very good. Mm. To be honest, I was surprised that even after four months, we could we could still stomach most of them there was yeah. one or two flavors where we were like nah we're done with those <laughs> but uh but yeah they were pretty good um and yeah i mean speedo eventually did sponsor it right okay um 
but they really, I mean, they they sort of kind of in, in theory said yes about a month before I started. Mm. But there was no real actual commitment as in I didn't, because I needed money to, you know, get, I'd already bought the boat on the eBay app on, or with a credit card on the eBay app in a pub with my mate Jez. Um, and that was just credit card money. And I knew that actually I'd sell the boat at the end yeah. and probably not lo- lose too much money on a, on mm. a small boat like that, a three and a half grand boat, you know, you probably mm. sell it three yeah. grand at the end if you don't trash it. Right. Um, so so that was taken care of. And I had some of these meals sponsored. So I knew we could at least start the swim and survive maybe the first month, maybe. Mm. So that was taken care of. And then I think, I think Speedo then sort of when I was almost like heading down there, um, actually, yeah, I mean, it was so bad that actually I couldn't afford to get to Land's End. That was, I remember now, I literally had no money. I, so I went to the bank with an email from speedo saying we're really interested uh, you know uh, we're very interested in title sponsor um which would have covered all the food costs and everything um and yeah you know you can use our wetsuits and which i was really happy about because they were the best wetsuits yeah. and they so i took this email to the bank and said please can i have another 250 quid extension <laughs> on my overdraft just so I could fill the, my car up with diesel wow. yeah. so that my mum could drive us to the start and then she could drive the car back <laughs> for me. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was a week into the swim, eventually the funding from Speedo came in. Right. Um, and, then, and then we were fine till I think about a month before the end where that, that money ran out. Mm. And Speedo gave me a little bit more, um, like another couple of grand, uh, and then I crowdfunded a, a bit towards the end as well, which was me basically selling a book I hadn't written about an adventure I hadn't finished. Um, <laughs> but everyone was really, really supportive. So thank you. If you bought one of my crowdfunding books back in the day, um, thank you very much. And that, yeah, that basically allowed me to, to finish, finish the swim, really. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was it was quite difficult to convince people. I don't think. I, th- I just think they thought they were wasting their time and energy and money mm. in, in, you know, marketing something that was highly likely to fail. Yeah. Um, because no one had done anything even similar in the form of a coastal swim where there's tides yeah. um, and, and anchoring and, you know, having a, a support boat quite close by and, yeah, there's so many things that the swimming bits was doable, but it was mm. everything outside of that cold water, shipping lanes. Yeah, there was quite a lot of risk there for people. So I don't, I don't, I don't blame them really. Um, so yeah, it was it was a tough slog. So which challenge came next after that? Was it the the farthest or the or the fastest? Um. So. After the swim, I, I wanted to finish the length of Britain triathlon because I had cycled it already okay. as a holiday, yeah. uh, as a holiday back in 20, 2008. Mm. Um, so I then attempted the run. I failed the run the first time. Yeah. And that's when I really, yeah, I mean, I probably pushed pushed on 100 miles further than I should have with this, okay. with a, a dodgy knee. Mm. Uh, which was annoying because that took some time to recover and I'm not really sure I've fully recovered from that. Mm. I shouldn't have run on it for so long, but never mind. Um, 
So then I went back to attempt the run the second time. So I did the ran the length of Britain. So that finished the triathlon. And then I, and I loved the fact I loved the, the multidiscipline side of it. And that's mm. sort of the the, mon- the monkey in me, I guess. Um, I wanted to then go to do a the world's longest triathlon because I enjoyed yep. that element. So that's when I came up with the round Britain four thousand two hundred mile um, triathlon, um, and that was twenty. 2016 now actually I was doing that right now so May I, I mm. started uh, when did I start that I think the end of April beginning of April end of April so yeah yeah um, yeah I was busy oh, I might have been on the swim leg almost now can't remember so long ago <laughs> but um, but yeah that's when I did, did the world's furthest I won't go too much into that, so no spoilers for people who are going to get it off okay. Amazon and watch it and watch it. Um, but is there anything you'd change about that? Like, you know, I'm sort of maybe hinting at the bike. <laughs> because look at looking at the bike, it maybe wasn't the best choice. <laughs> no. So in an effort to prove that most anyone could really do some of these challenges, yeah. I didn't want a big support crew and I didn't want all the fanciest gear mm. in the world. Um so I yeah did it on a on a bamboo bike. I did the mm. cycle leg, which was Lulworth Cove in Dorset to Lands End, followed the coast all the way around to John O'Groats, back down to Scarborough. So it's about three thousand five hundred miles, mm. I think, uh, on a bamboo bike. Um, yeah, it was terrible. It was so wonky. <laughs> the front wheel was ten centimeters off to yep. the right. Um, the saddle was like four centimeters off to the left as well. Uh, it had it only had nine gears, and I stupidly put put a road bike gearing on it, like gravel gravel gear sets mm. group sets hadn't been invented yet really. Yeah. So, I mean, I could have done a mountain bike, but I had I wanted the drop bars. Mm. So having a mountain bike group set on drop bars was a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, so whereas now it would be easy just use shimano grx whatever yeah, yeah, it's called yeah. it would have been great <laughs> yeah. but no they didn't exist so i slowed road so i'd had no i only had one ring on the front and then only mm. nine on the back and of those nine yeah just you know i just needed more gears so especially <laughs> devon and cornwall i was sort of pushing up the hills and yeah it really was and also it was too early in the year i wish mm. i'd I wish I'd waited later in the year to do it. It was so cold, you know, trying to get up early from your tent and that sort of thing. And then even, you know, doing the swim, getting up at 4am to do, get the yeah. tide. And yeah, I wish I'd waited a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but, but never mind. I just was, I was just a bit impatient. I just <clears> wanted, wanted to get it done, you know? Yeah. I mean, watch, watching you sort of go across the top there towards Cape Wrath and all that, it was like, that was, that was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cold. <laughs> which which bit was the the worst part of it? Would you say, or or the most challenging part? Was it the bike ride? Was it the swim or the or the run? No, the the, the swim by a long <clears> way. Yeah, yeah. self supported swims are very hard. Yeah, you you're never warm. You know, you I was finishing each swim leg, going to shore. You know, camping up in a bush somewhere, getting up at three thirty a.m. to get the four a.m. tide, putting on yeah. a freezing cold wetsuit because. Of, the wetsuit had been out in the rain, you know, and mm. put it carrying, everything's wet the whole time. You're, you're never eating enough. Because sometimes, you know, I might finish my tire, my swim, and I might be five miles from food 
Mm. So I had this this raft which had wheels on it. So I'd sort of get out, unchange, get my casual clothes on, pack everything in the raft, and then pull this drag this raft along the sand until I found a footpath, which then led me to a road. And then, you know, five miles later I'm in town getting some food. And then I got to turn around and drag the blooming raft all the way back again. Yeah, um, yeah so self-supported <laughs> swims is there's a reason not many people have done them because <laughs> they're really not much fun. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm guessing, you know, I think you've alluded to it before, that, that cycling is probably your, your go-to sort of discipline, isn't it? That if, if you're going to choose it's, a challenge. It, yeah, it's slowly moving to running. Weirdly. Is that right? Yeah, okay. I've, I've, ju- yeah. I've just turned 40 and I've literally found in the last <clears throat> few months I'm getting a lot more from running than, mm. I, than I used to in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I've... It's weird. Like when you get older, you 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 become less risk averse, right? You yeah. know, and having children, all of a sudden, you're like, do I really want to go and cycle in the wet on these small, mm. small back roads? You know, worrying about getting run over or stacking it, and you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, it's still I think it's still my go-to thing. If I if someone said you've got a month off or two months off to go and do an adventure, it would be jumping on the bike any yeah. day of the week. But sort of day to day, I'm really enjoying uh, running at the moment. So, what what is it about running? Because I'm I'm pretty much the same. Um, I when I got back into sort of doing exercise, I, I was on the bike and did a few coast to coasts and, and various bike rides and things like that. And then um, I had a bit of a, a, a an incident, a, a medical incident, which sort of nearly killed me with my lungs and what have you. And then. I was told I'd never run and never cycled, so I started running and just completely fell in love with running, and that's probably my go-to discipline now. And I thought that as I grew, grew older, I would probably get more into the bike because it's lower impact. But, you know, I think I think running isn't as high impact as people make it out to be if you do it properly, is it? Yeah, totally. If you do it properly, if you change the terrain you run on, you know, mm. yeah, running on the road the whole time is going to be pretty bad. But if you vary it up with trails mm. and, and different things and... And change your cadence, look at your technique, you yeah. know, run on your toes. Yeah, there's there's loads of ways you can make it, you know, you can run further without injury. Um, I like the fact there's just, it can be more a little bit more spontaneous with running. I think that's what I enjoy. Mm. You know, I can wake up and be like, or, you know, after this podcast, for example, I might just go, you know, I'm just going to put the shoes on, just run up the hill, yeah. run back again. And actually, in a half an hour run, I can feel like I've achieved something. <clears throat> Whereas for me to feel like I've achieved anything on the bike, it's got to be like six hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, yeah, so I'm really enjoying enjoying running, and and you know, I don't know, maybe it's an age thing. Mm. I the worst thing I ever did was you know use a power meter once ten years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and that's a that's a that's a graph that's never going up, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a bit depressing. Um, so anyway, if anyone's in their sort of late thirties, never just don't <laughs> use a power meter. Honestly, you, you just just leave it. Just yeah. go on perception of effort and heart rate. You know, you'll get enjoyment that way. Um, and yeah, so I think yeah, running. I'm really enjoying. Mm running um and the challenges around it for me and for me it's just injury avoidance yeah yes, getting, qu- getting quite in tune with my body working out when things hurt why they hurt mm. um which which is very rare in cycling in cycling you never get a no. niggle well i no. didn't anyway ever no 
you know, not once, you know, the only, in fact, the only thing I used to get was because I used to cycle so much as uh, numb pinkies yeah, yeah, from being yeah. on the handlebars. <clears throat> um, and even now they still kind of almost not permanently numb, but there's certainly a, they're not firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much it other than a couple of maybe some saddle sores if, if I had bad technique and 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 unless I'm pushing the big stuff then sometimes my right knee is a bit dodgy but yeah for the most part I could go out any day of the week and do a 100 mile bike ride and feel fine mm. at the end of it you know yeah I mean um, and you're in a so I want to talk about the 496 as well because I watched that sort of earlier in the year um and, and you're in a great running area you're about you're about 30 minutes away from me so you're running running uh, areas probably my yeah. weekend sort of I'm up at yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. four or five o'clock on a Saturday and I'll shoot out to sort of Movama Country Park and, and just just oh, lose nice. myself for a few hours um yeah. so yeah so as you sort of alluded to in the, in the, the 496 uh, uh, video on YouTube, 2020 was a bit of a lemon for, for all of us. So you decided yeah. in January this year, you were going to going to go out and set yourself, um, set yourself this challenge. So, so tell us, tell us about the 496 and, and how that yes, came about. So, yeah. so the 496 is, um, I actually, th- it came to me as an, I, I did, I'd never heard anyone do it before. Mm. I just thought I want to do a running challenge where, I don't get injured and I don't burn out too early on. And and I always was just going too big for me. It was all like ego stuff. Like, Oh, I'm going to run half a marathon on day one. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. That was the sort of monkey and the terrier playing with each other going, you know, the monkey is going, can I do it? Can I do it? And the terrier is going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, and I just get injured. So I thought, well, what if I just start small? do one kilometer on day one and then two kilometers on day two and three on day three and all the way to 31 on day 31, 31st of January. Um, and then it turns out a couple of people have done this. Um, I think it was also called run the dates. I think okay. people yep. have done, um, some people do it in miles, which yes, is a yeah. real, that's, that's tough. Hardcore. Um, but it wasn't that popular. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, this is great. This is, I think this is like a really fun, achievable challenge for people. Because, you know, if you, it's, it's weird. If you pick any day, if you survive any day, the thought of surviving the next day isn't that daunting because only one kilometer further, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's really, it hooks you and it like drags you in and you're like, well, well I've just finished my 20K run today and it was tough, but I could probably do it again. And tomorrow's only one kilometer further. So yeah, it really, really gets you in. And it, cap- it sort of captured my imagination. Um, and then really, it, it really made me fall in love with running again because yeah. I didn't get injured. The middle, I had a bit of a slump in the middle when I wasn't eating enough. I, I think, you know, at, at a yeah. point you need to start changing your diet. And yeah, for yeah. me, it was around, when I was doing about 14, 15, 16K a day, mm. that's when I started to need to up, up my calories really uh, and stretch more and things like that. Um but after that, I then was just really just clean sailing. And, you know, by the end, you know, doing a 30K in a day, other than taking up, I'm quite a slow runner. So yeah. it was taking me four or five hours to do that. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know, four hours. Um, yeah. uh, other than the time, I wasn't really feeling any any sort of injury or anything. It was great. So, yeah, it, it really made me fall back in love with running. And, and it, it was nice to sort of just have a different mindset towards fitness mm. 
because in the past <clears throat> it's always just been figures based and numbers and like getting faster and quicker yeah. and longer and running further and whereas this one was just have have an adventure so on each of the days i also chose to do something like litter picking yeah, yeah. or planting a tree <clears throat> you know or, or run a run a, a picture so you know yeah, yeah. when you look at your strava at the end it draws a picture um so yeah there was, <clears throat> there was loads of, and that really helped you know that made it just a fun running adventure which is what for me cycling was you know cycling was just using a bike to go and explore and i'd never really used running like that before i'd always running for me was always just to get fitter mm. there was never yeah. any exploration for me in in running um and now it was a nice way to change my mindset towards running mm. so um to move on what's what's next sean you've clearly got plans about what you're going to do next are you willing to sort yeah. of release that or is it still a yeah yeah okay. so on the fourth on the 4th of June, and yeah. this is, I've, I've only really sort of started to put all the plans together this week for that. Um, yeah. I'm going to be doing a marathon a day in each of the UK national parks. Brilliant. Uh, um, there's 15 national parks. So yeah. starting up in the Cairngorms, <clears throat> Cairngorms, Loch Lomond, down to Northumberland, then Lake District, um, Yorkshire Dales, North York Moors, then across that the big drive then is North York Moors down to Norfolk Broads because <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it by myself. So I've got a drive in between each yeah, one yeah. as well. Uh, Norfolk Broads, another big drive down to South Downs then New Forest, then uh, Dartmoor up to Exmoor, round to Brecon's to Pembrokeshire, then finishing in Snowdonia, which is nearest to me. So sort of mm. doing almost a clockwise loop uh, starting the 4th of June. Uh, so if anyone's interested, I'm, I'm really trying to invite people to come and join me. Most definitely, so most, yeah. Yeah. most of the routes are <clears throat> sort of short laps, yeah. um, shortish laps, so either two, three or four of, of, of a route. So you can come and just join me for one lap or they're, they're out and backs. So you could just turn around whenever you wanted if you, if you didn't want, want to do the full marathon. Um, and yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm just trying to get people to a appreciate our national parks because the the national parks in the uk are amazing and mm. you know you don't have to pay to get into them like most yeah. of the world most other national parks of the world sort of like go to a gate pay an entry fee and, and you're in um whereas here they're free for everyone the public footpath networks in the uk are are amazing mm. and and you know i think most people are pretty respectful of them um, yeah. and with more people but there will be more people using the national parks now because of covid mm. and i just want to shine a light on how amazing they are and how how we should really look after them and, yeah you know and that sort of thing so yeah it's, it's i'm really looking forward to that um which is going to be tough i've never i don't think i've ever done 15 marathons in a row mm. um I've, I've averaged a little bit less than that when i ran the length of britain i was i think i averaged 20 21 22 miles a day by the end um and when I did the triathlon, yeah, same sort of bit. At the end, I might have done the last 10 days, yeah. maybe the last eight, eight to 10 days of a marathon a day when I, when I did the coast. But I've never done 15 marathons in 15 days before. Um, mm. So, yeah, this will be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how much fitness I've kept from the 496. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I've been running quite a lot since then but i've not run i've not run 30k since since mm -hmm. the 496 
actually no, I lie. On my 40th, I ran 40k, yeah. which is going to be something I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah, yeah. Run my, <clears throat> run my, run my age. Yeah. I wonder when I'm going to give up. I wonder <laughs> at one point my knees are going to go, you know what? Mm, all my pace gets too slow and it takes longer than my birthday to do the mileage. Well, um, one, of, one of the events I do every year is the fan dance race down in the Brecon Beacons. And there is a couple of 70, 70 and 75 year old guys who do that with the full packs on every year. So uh, it's, it's still okay. there. Yeah. All right. So, so maybe, still 80, potential maybe I should go. Yeah, so go for 80. I'm, do you think I could do 80K on my 80th birthday? Well, <laughs> you should drop it down to 80 meters, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, someone said, at, you know, at one point, you could <clears> just start <throat> cycling it. So maybe, yeah, yeah. you know, at 75, if my knees are, are, are shot, I'll then just move to cycling and do the same thing. But I quite like the idea of that, just doing this really, this, I, I love long form everything, you know. Yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah challenges that take months to complete mm. um you know I, I and i think you know playing this long game i think will be quite fun so um yeah so this bath of the day so watch watch that out running running the national parks um yeah is there a, is there anywhere with sort of more details on about that with dates on that you're going to be in the national parks that people can look at or is that going to go live uh, it will be on seanconway.com okay um, yeah or just look, find me on Instagram. I'll be putting everything out there near the time. Okay. Um, but yeah, so on, on, on my website, I will have, you can download the GPX files. You can see the actual route on the OS maps if you want, the exact start location, the start times, um, so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, that'll all be, I'm busy currently do that, doing that at the moment. So yeah, watch this space. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so um, yeah, we'll keep a lookout for that. I'll uh, I'll certainly try and join you at least on on a couple of the loops and what have you. Maybe Snowdonia yeah. or Brecon Beacon, something. Definitely, I'll get out and do that. Uh, look forward. Definitely, to that. mate. Yeah, that'd be Excellent. awesome. Yeah, it'd be yeah, good yeah. to see you. Um, look, cool. like I say, thanks very much for giving up your time again. It's really, really great to speak to you. Um, if, if I don't see you sort of around November, I'll say I'll definitely sort of see you uh, uh, on one of your loops in the in the national parks, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, say really, really, uh, really nice to speak to you, Sean. You too, mate. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. And yeah, catch you in the national parks. See you later. All right, speak to you soon. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers, Thank mate. You. Bye. Bye bye. So that's it. That's my chat with Sean Conway. Um, you can get involved in his latest challenge, and he's just released that um, this week on his uh, on his social media and on his um, his website, so you can go on and you can see the days he's going to be in each national park. I'm going to do my utmost to get out and meet him in one of the national parks uh, and join him on one of his runs, um, and you can do that too. So, uh, yeah, let's give Sean all the support we can. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, you follow him on Instagram, then you can send him messages of support via there as well. And let's get right behind him on getting out there and supporting our national parks. So, um, I've got a few guests lined up over the next week. I know we've had a little bit of a gap with the Alleycast. Uh, I've been um, concentrating on my own challenges as well, which I've got coming up this year with the uh, the Spine Sprint Race coming up in four weeks' time. Uh, then I've got the um, uh, Fan Dance Trident, Trident Edition. Uh, and then following that, I'm going to be doing a run around the Scenic Bridge called the Eden, which is a 50-mile ultra. So, really going all in and concentrating on those. Uh, but I have got a few more guests lined up. I'm going to get them interviewed and get them out over the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Um, and remember, always a little further. We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go. 
facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. <laughs>